Let's open our Bibles, Numbers chapter 31. Numbers chapter 31. <clears throat> I do have a cold, so I'm not going to be able to speak real loud or real long. And uh, then we have communion today as well. Numbers 31, though, in re- reviewing uh, chapter 30 about vows and promises, and uh, really the, the bottom line principle is this, is that the that vows and promises, they need to be kept. They ought to be kept. And that's really uh, what that whole section was about. And, and that uh, we need to be people of our word, not just when it feels good or when it's convenient, but we need to be people that, that you know, we think long and carefully before we make our promises, before we make commitments, and then we keep them. Better to think long first and maybe not make a commitment than it, than it is to make it, you know, just lightly especially promises to God. So let our yes be yes, Jesus said, and our no be no. We also looked at the need for fathers to be looking out for his children, especially his daughters, and, and the responsibility that's there, the responsibility not to, to shirk and to speak up, to be involved, to uh, participate. And it's uh, something we, uh, we need desperately, uh, fathers and mothers uh, both to be very involved in the lives of their children and also then in marriages as well for the, this communication to go back and forth between the husband and the wife and, and one not making promises that the other one knows nothing about. And, and you know, um, my wife, you know, goes out and, and commits to a, you know, uh, you know $15,000 car without her ever talking to me about it kind of thing. And, and you know, how's that going to affect the, the relationship? You know, it wouldn't go very well, I have to tell you. And, and so to have this interdependence, instead of two independent people, this interdependence, we're working together, we're communicating. And, and uh, I see some of you shaking your head. Maybe some of you had that happen to you, and I'm a little scared about that. <clears throat> so today in chapter 31, it, it's, a, it's a difficult chapter, I have to say, but it's, it deals with the battle with the Midianites. And it really talks about divine uh, judgment on the Midianites, and, and uh, it speaks about the vengeance of God. Look at chapter 31, verse 1. It said, The Lord said to Moses, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites, and after that you will be gathered to your people. So Moses said to the people, we'll get to that in a second. This is going to be Moses' last battle, last thing he's involved in here. And, and it, 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 what this is, is this is now following on from chapter 25 that we studied uh, a few months back. And, and really, chapter 25 was the end of the whole section about Balaam. You remember Balaam, the pagan prophet who was just after the prophet? That's who he was. And this Balaam, you remember, they wanted Balaam to curse the Lord's people. But he couldn't curse the Lord's people because the Lord wouldn't allow him. And the Lord wouldn't follow through, wouldn't do anything uh, that Balaam wanted him to do. And Balaam ended up speaking for the Lord uh, because he just he, there was nothing else he could do. But Balaam really wasn't through. He was after the money. And so what happened, and we've talked about this, Balaam uh, talked to the people of Moab and Midian. And he got them to uh, seduce the people with immorality and sent the women in to to bring down the, the uh, nation of Israel through compromise and through immorality, and, and that led to idolatry and turning away from the Lord, and, and it just got real bad. It was, it was Balaam's advice, though, that caused the Israelites to fall. And then when they fell, if you remember, a plague fell as well. Judgment of God came upon who? Upon Israel. Why? Because they, 
because of their immorality, because of their compromise, because of their, uh, their idolatry. And this plague then broke out against Israel, among them, for their sin. Israel, again, uh, was not immune for, and we've seen it over and over, where they do just these ridiculous, stupid things. And, you know, they would begin to reap the benefits, quote-unquote, of, of, you know, we, we reap what we sow, and, and they would begin to reap, uh, you know, the judgment of God upon themselves. In that particular instance, if you remember, Phineas the priest, one of the priests, he took the initiative to deal with it, and he made a big difference, and, and, uh, and, he, and the plague was stopped in that chapter 25. So the Israelites, I want to make this point here before we move on, is the Israelites, they were held responsible for their sin. But also now in chapter 31, we see that the Midianites, they were also held responsible for their sin, and their sin was... Ca- their sin was causing the Israelites to fall, you see. Someone said this, the same principles that govern judgment within Israel and uh, the same principles govern judgment within Israel and among the nations. So God, you know, was, was fair to all. He says that all would perish for their sins, but for the grace of God. And, and so this is kind of what we're, we're seeing in this chapter. It's, again, it's a difficult chapter. But Jesus said this, things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. There's going to be stuff all around us that, that cause us to sin and that, that are tempting. But he says it's even worse, woe to the one that brings it, that causes it, that, that that, that, you know, the, the engineers of the whole sexual re- revolution in our country, woe to them, Jesus would say, I think. Woe to those people that, you know, in Hollywood that, that you know, bring out some of the garbage that is just infecting and bringing down our nation morally. Woe to them, I, I believe Jesus would say. But, but woe to you and I when we would stumble a brother or sister, when we would do something that would lead someone else to go down a path that isn't healthy. Woe to us as well. We can never, we can never take away our own responsibility by looking at the responsibility of others. Look at now number uh, verse 3. It says, so, so Moses said to the people, Arm some of your men to go to war against the Midianites and to carry out the Lord's vengeance on them. Send into battle a thousand men from each of the tribes of Israel. So 12,000 men armed for battle, a thousand from each tribe were supplied from the clans of Israel. And Moses sent them into battle, a thousand from each tribe, along with Phinehas, the same guy that made a huge difference. Son of Eleazar the priest, who took with him articles from the sanctuary and the trumpets for signaling. They were, they were serious about this, but there was also the fact that the Lord was involved in this. They were going out at the Lord's command. They were going out and, and at the Lord's bidding. And, and, you know, one of the things that... <clears throat> one of the things we don't like to talk about is the wrath of God, the vengeance of God, uh, you know, the, the acts of God when he would do certain things to us. They just, we just shake our head and go, no, we, that's not the God that we... You know, when we think about God, he's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of grace. And yes, he is all those things. But he's also a God who is a God of justice and a God of judgment as well. So we, we kind of have to have the whole picture, not just, you know, the, the parts that we like and the parts that we, you know, kind of cling to and understand. 
I think, and, and I've been really thinking about these, this section, and again, if we really understood the holiness and the purity of God, we would understand, number one, the cross so much better. If we really understood the holiness and the purity of God, we would also, it would affect the way we live, the way you and I live, the decisions that you and I make, if we really understood. Nahum, the prophet and one of the minor prophets, says the Lord is a a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and maintains his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Again, we don't want to hear about this, but it's part of who he is. We can't, we, if we're going to take this book, we need to take it all. We, we can't be like some who just cut out certain parts and then they make their own Bible just by the parts they want to keep and cut out. God is a holy God. He's a, a, a jealous God. He's jealous He's, a, he's an avenging God. He has wrath. You say, well, that's all Old Testament stuff. But in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, that we know, the writer to the Hebrews says, we know him who said, it is mine to avenge and I will repay. And again, he says, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I don't want to hear about that. But God is God. God is who he is. We, it's not something that we made up. He's not something that, you know, just how we imagine it. That's where we get into trouble. We, we make him who we want him to be. But we need to look at the scripture and see what it says about who he is. Have a full, you know, a full rounded picture of who the God of the universe, universe is. The, the one whose clouds are the dust of his feet. Look at verse 7. It says, they fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed every man. Among their victims were Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. What's Balaam doing there? He's hanging out with these people now. He got paid. It worked what he wanted them to do. Verse 9, the Israelites captured the Midianite women and children and took all the Midianite herds, flocks, and goods as plunder. They burned all the towns where the Midianites had settled as well as, their, as all their camps. They took all the plunder and spoils, including the people and the animals, and they brought the captives, spoils, and plunders to Moses and Eleazar the priest. And the Israelite assembly at their camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. They fought. They went into battle, and, and again, the, the picture here is that <clears throat> Israel, after almost 40 years, they're on the verge of going into the promised land, the land God has for them. And, and there's going to be battles in the promised land, and they've already had battles on this side of the Jordan River, and this is another battle that they had to uh, participate in, and, and battles aren't easy. War is not easy. War isn't uh, something we cherish and like, but this is one of the things that was happening here. Someone said the entire life of the, of the ancient world was tribal warfare. God's judgment is poured out on whole groups of people who act with moral abandonment and in sinful pursuits. 
the judgment of God poured out on whole groups of people. Again, I don't want to hear about that. We, we understand when, it, when the judgment falls upon this guy Balaam because he deserved it. It came back to him. He thought he kind of got, I, I kind of believe that he, he thought he got away with it. He thought, you know, they let him go when he couldn't curse the people and, and, and all that. And then he went and got them to go, you know, in the back door through, you know, uh, sexual immorality and all this stuff. And then he got his payment and everything. He thought he got away with the whole thing. But, but you know what? You never get away with it. It always comes back around, doesn't it? it? The scripture says our sin will find us out. And they found him, and there he was with the Midianites. And, and he lost his life. The payment for him was death. It came back around. Look at verse 13. Moses, Eleazar the priests, and all the leaders of the community, they went to, went to meet them outside the camp. And Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and, and those who returned from the battle. It says Moses was angry. And you go, why, why should he be angry? You know, they went out to battle. They, they, they were victorious. Look what he says, though. Verse 15, have you allowed all the women to live? He asked them. He said, they were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and were the means of turning the Israelites away from the Lord and what happened at Peor so that a plague struck the Lord's people. Now kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man, but save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. You go look at this and go, wow, what is this? What is going on here? Again, the call, the call, what, what, what actually happened here was that the Israel actually held back from what God told them to go in and just and wipe them out. It's basically what happened. I, there's no other way to say it. This, was gonna, this is something that you, you need to look at too. And, and when they go into the, into the promised land in the Canaan, the, the, many cases that's what they were called to do. And you go, wow. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that there was, these people were not innocent. These people were not innocent. The truth of the matter is, you and I are not innocent. We have to understand here, again, about, about the judgment of God and the holiness of God and the purity of who He is. And, and at that particular sign, time, there was a judgment on sin. When you look back and you think about even before this now, you, let's put this aside for just a minute, but go back to the very beginning now in the book of Genesis. What happened around chapters 6 and 7 in that period? Anybody know what happened? The flood. The flood happened. And, and what was the flood? The flood was judgment. The, the flood was judgment on sin. God's, you know, God poured out this flood as judgment on the, on the whole earth, and there were a few that were spared. See, God didn't change from, you know, uh, from that time to this time here. These people were not innocent, but again... I. When we talk about people being responsible for their own sin, it's never far from our own responsibility. The flood, you think about the plagues on Egypt and the, the idolatry that was going on in Egypt. Well, you know, the plagues that came into Egypt, many were killed, right? Many, the judgment of God came down upon Egypt for their, for their own sin, for the responsibility of their own sin. The other, the other thing about this too is, is that they were 
they needed to deal with the sin that was a threat to them. And for them to just, you know, only, you know, kind of do partially what God asked them to do and to leave especially these women alive, these women were the ones that it says caused the problem. So they bring them back. What's to stop them from causing it again and again and again? There's something about being serious and being strong and dealing with sin. And, and stopping the spread and the stuff that, that will come back to haunt us and then come back to take us down. Someone said this, Moses was angry because the children of Israel failed to see the great danger of sexual immorality and idolatry posed by these women who before led the, women of, led the men of Israel into these exact sins. They thought these women were safe, but they were more dangerous to Israel than an army of mighty warriors. There are certain things that, you know, you allow, you allow these things to carry on, allow these things to live, allow these things to be in our own lives that we need to get serious with. Why do you think Jesus said, you know, if your right eye offends you, what should you do? Wear sunglasses? What did he say? Cut it out. He said, get serious about it. You know, he wasn't saying, you know, literally, and again, you know, that you're going to pop in your eyes out because, you know, we'd probably all be walking around here with one eye, you know, but... He says, if your right hand offends you, what should you do? Cut it off. In, in other words, you've got you to do what you need to do and get serious about your lives, is what Jesus was saying, and, and kind of what's happening here in a way. In, in Isaiah, it says, it says, as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. He says in, in defeating them, he says you, you break this yoke. You break this uh, bar, the, the, the rod of the oppressor. And, and, and again, breaking off those things that would take them down. But, but even bigger than this, this whole picture of, of judgment, the, the picture of the final judgment to come. We, you know, we're in this age of grace, this time where we, we want to you know, spread the gospel and the, and the gospel of the love of Jesus and the grace of God. But isn't it also true that there is still judgment to come? That God still has you know, a day of judgment? It talks about a day of judgment that is yet to come upon the earth, yet to come upon the, the human race. In Revelation chapter 4, it says, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens and the earth. In 2 Peter, it says this, this, By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. We, We know that part. We don't know the part before that, though, that there, there's a day of judgment, a day of destruction that's coming for ungodly men, and that's, that's all. That's all. Again, if we understood what, you know, the, the, the hideousness of sin and the holiness and the purity of God, it, it, what, what happens is it, 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 it makes, as, we, as we're going to have communion here in just a few minutes, it, 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 it kind of brings that into focus that when Jesus died, he died to take that judgment upon himself. You know, I, I can't, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, my, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the judgment of, of all the human race was upon him right there 
right then. Hebrews 9.27, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. We face each one of us. We're going to stand before God. And are we going to go there on our own behalf? Because if we do, what will happen? Are we going to go there with Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's the difference. It's either us or him. Verses 19, uh, we're not going to read these, these next two long sections, verses 19 through 24. We're going to come back around to the cross here in a minute and, and tie this together before communion. But verses 19 through 24, he, he speaks about cleansing and purification and, and really from from contact with death, and we've looked at that in an earlier chapter um, through, uh, you know, in speaking about the red heifer, if you remember the water of cleansing, and it had to be the, the, the red heifer, they had to find this, this perfect red heifer, and, and that whole thing, we, we looked at that uh, in chapter 19. But again, for us, as we, as we look back then, it, it, it wasn't this water of cleansing that would make a difference, it was the blood of Jesus Christ for you and for me. In verses 24 through, or excuse me, 25 through 47, they talk about dividing up the spoils and from the battle. And it says that those who went to the battle, they shared with those who did not go to the battle. We read there that a thousand from every tribe went out, so 12,000 altogether, but that, that was a, a, a fairly small number compared to how many could have gone out. But with all the spoils that they had, it, it, the people who went out weren't the ones who got it all. They shared it with those that stayed behind. Um, same thing happened with in 1 Samuel that uh, says that the, the share of the man who stayed behind with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. That there was a sharing in the front lines those that go out on the front lines, uh, they go out and they you know, serve the Lord and they do these different things, but those who stay behind and support, they also reap in the benefit. Uh, for us, you know, we're not all called to go out somewhere on a mission field, but we're all called to support and pray and get behind and encourage. And, and through that, you and I will receive the rewards that also come to them. And, and we share these things alike. And so you can read about that, how that was all shared. And then they talked about a portion of that uh, being given back to the Lord to take care of the, of the uh, Levites and those who were responsible for the care of the tabernacle. Let's look down at verse 48. <clears throat> it says, There then the officers who were over the units of the army, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, they went to Moses and said to him, Your Servants have counted the soldiers under our command, and not one is missing. Not one is missing. They didn't lose a single soldier. So we have brought as an offering to the Lord the gold articles each of us acquired, armlets, bracelets, signet rings, earrings, and necklaces to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. They, they wanted to bring a special gift because they were so grateful they were, that God had protected them. They didn't lose a single one. Not one was lost in this battle. So they brought 
to the Lord this gift, the, the gold, the best that they had taken. And this was not something they were required to do. It was a, a, a free will offering that they brought. It wasn't payment, but it was a gift of gratitude for what God had done. They didn't lose one. Finally, jump down to verse 54. It says, Moses and Eleazar the priest, they accepted the gold from the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and they brought it into the tent of meeting as a memorial for the Israelites before the Lord. They accepted those gifts, and they made this memorial. <clears throat> so as we, as we finish here now and as we prepare ourselves for communion, what is our memorial? What is our reminder? What is our you know, coming and bringing these gifts of our hearts and our lives uh, to have this remembrance? Of course, for us, it's communion where we remember the cross, this memorial. The, the cup and the bread. And Jesus said, when you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. They, had, they brought this gift and they brought the gold. They brought it to the tabernacle tent of meeting and as a memorial for the Israelites before the Lord. A memorial of what? That, that, these, that they didn't lose anybody. These were all saved. They were saved from losing their lives. We come to the cross and we're safe and we're saved. Why? Because of the cross of what Jesus Christ did. Romans chapter 3 says that all have sinned. We know the verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. We're all sinners. We are all sinners. We all deserve to die. That's, that's the bottom line for this. You say, well, those people there, they were, they were guilty or whatever, and maybe some of them you thought they weren't guilty, but the truth is we are all guilty, and we all need the forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ. But when we realize how, again, how, how holy God is, and, 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 then, and then we see that what God's holiness and justice demanded his love and grace provided by sending His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. It says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let's pray together as we prepare for communion. Our gracious Father, we thank You for <clears throat> the fact that You do love us, Lord. But I pray that You would give us a vision and You'd open our eyes to to the glory and the holiness. We sing about how holy you are, but I don't think we really get it. Lord, open our eyes so we can see how holy you really are and that it, that it, would, it, would, it would show us how, how glorious the cross is, that you paid for the, the, the ugliness of sin. You paid for every bit of it. And all we needed to do is, is, is believe and trust in you. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to have, uh, to, to have understanding of who you are, Lord. Father, we, we again, we come and we humble ourselves before you. We are, we are just sinful, frail human beings, and you are the great and awesome, almighty creator God. Father, as we come to partake in communion, again, we, we uh, prepare our hearts, Lord, 
Maybe we, we've just kind of taken things for granted. We've slipped off. We've, we're out doing things we shouldn't do. Maybe, we, maybe we're just kind of complacent. We just haven't really given you any thought in our lives. And we're just doing just business and maybe not bad stuff. But we, we, we just come again and re reconnect with you, Lord, this morning. Remember you. Remember that death that you, that you died for me, for my sin, to pay the price that I should have paid. The judgment that should have been upon me was upon your son. We come and humble ourselves before you in Jesus' name.